Chapter Twelve of the Phantom Town Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Phantom Town Mystery by Carol Norton. Chapter Twelve A Narrow Escape. The long rope with which Jerry had captured many a wild cow was dropped over the outer edge of the wide ledge. Since the distance was not more than twenty-five feet, the lariat reached nearly to the crevice. Looking around, Jerry found a projecting rock about which he wound the upper end of the rope, but he did not trust it alone. He threw himself face downward, and grasped the knot that was nearest the edge in a firm clasp. He told the girls he would not need their assistance at first, but that, if he shouted, they were to both seize the rope near the rock and pull with all their strength. Dick, making light of the feat he was about to perform, tossed his sombrero to one side, and then, with his hand on his heart, he made a gallant bow to the girls. Dora and Mary, standing close to the rock around which the rope was twined, clung to each other nervously. They tried to smile encouragingly toward the pretending acrobat, but they were too anxious to put much brightness into the effort. "'Kick off your boots!' Jerry said in a low voice, "'You'll be able to cling to the knots better in stocking feet.' "'Sort of an anti-climax,' Dick's large brown eyes laughed through the shell-rimmed glasses as he removed his boots. "'There! Now I do the renowned disappearing act. I'd feel more heroic if I were about to rescue someone.' "'Dick isn't the least bit afraid, is he, Jerry?' Mary asked in a whispered voice, as though she did not want the boy who had gone over the ledge to be conscious of the fear that she felt. "'He's all right,' Jerry reported a second later. "'He's going down the rope as nimbly as a monkey.' "'Will there be room on the edge of that crevice for him to stand when he does get down?' was Mary's next question. There was a long moment's silence. Then Jerry turned his head and smiled reassuringly. "'He's down.' "'Oh, yes, there's ten feet or more for him to walk on. "'He's got hold of the front wheel of the old coach.' The cowboy's voice changed to a warning shout. "'I say, Dick, down there, don't try to get aboard. "'The whole thing might crumble and take you to the bottom of that pit.' The girls could hear a faint shout from below. Dick evidently had assured Jerry that he would be cautious. "'I wish we could come over where you are, Jerry.' Dora said, I'd like to watch Dick. "'Stay where you are, please.' The order, without the last word, would have sounded abrupt. Uh, "'I may need your help with the rope. Keep alert.' "'I couldn't be alerter if I tried,' Mary said in a low voice to her companion. "'Every nerve in my whole body is so tense I'm afraid something will snap or—great jumping Jehoshaphat!' Jerry's startled ejaculation and sudden leap to his knees caused the girls to cry in alarm. Did Dick fall? Oh, oh, what has happened? Jerry turned toward them and shook his head. Sorry I hollered out that way. Nothing happened that matters any. But something did. And if you don't tell us, we're going to come over there and see for ourselves. Dora's tone was so determined that Jerry said, Sure, I'll tell you. When Dick took hold of the front wheel of the stage, he must have jarred the seat for all at once the driver's skeleton collapsed and toppled off and down into that deep crevice. Well, that'll be more comfortable for an eternal resting place, I reckon, than sitting upright was, the way he's been doing this forty years past. 
Then he called, "'Hey, down there! What did you say? I didn't hear. Your voice is blown off toward the little Grand Canyon, I reckon.' Jerry sat intently listening, one big brown hand cupped about his right ear. The girls could hear Dick's voice coming faintly from below. Jerry showed signs of excited interest. The girls exchanged wondering glances, but did not speak until the cowboy turned toward them. "'Dick says there's a small, child-sized trunk under the driver's seat. Whizzle! I wish I were down there. Together we might be able to get it out.' Leaping to his feet, Jerry went to the rock around which the rope was tied. That ought to hold all right. There was a glint of determination in his gray eyes, but it wavered as he glanced at Mary, who stood watching him, but saying not a word. "'There isn't anything here to frighten you girls, is there?' He seemed to be imploring the smaller girl to tell him to go. "'Is this a way? If there is a child-sized box or trunk in the stagecoach still, it was probably little Bodles. And don't you see, Mary, how important it is for us to get it? Why, I reckon a clue would be there, all right." Mary held out a small white hand. "'Go along, big brother,' she said, "'if you're sure the rock will hold the rope with your weight on it.' "'Shall we help the rock by holding on to the rope as well?' It was practical Dora who asked that question. "'Yes,' Jerry's expression brightened. "'I wish you would.' Dora thought, "'Mr. Cowboy.' I know just what you are thinking. You're afraid we might go over to the edge and perhaps fall off, but that if you tell us to hold on to the rope here by the rock, you expect we'll stay put. But you're mistaken. As soon as I know you're safely down, I'm going to crawl over the ledge and peer down." While Dora was thus planning, she and Mary held to the highest knot in the rope, and Jerry, having removed his boots, went over the edge without the grand flourish that Dick had made. "'Oh, I can't—can't can't hold it!' Mary exclaimed, and then Dora realized that the younger girl had been trying to hold Jerry's weight. "'Don't!' she ejaculated. "'The rock can hold him. Just keep your hands lightly on the knot, and pull only if the rope starts slipping.' It seemed but a few moments before the girls heard, as from far below, a reassuring call. "'All's well!' At once Dora let go her hold on the rope and dropped face downward as the boys had done. Mary was not to be left behind. Cautiously they wormed their way to the edge of the cliff and peered over, being careful to keep hidden. Only their hair and eyes were over the edge, and the boys, intent on examining the skeleton stagecoach, did not once glance up. "'Oh!' Mary shuddered. "'That black crevice looks as though it went down into the mountain a mile or more.' "'Maybe it does,' Dora whispered. "'Jerry said that it's more than a mile from here to the floor of the desert. The crack in the mountain may go all the way down.' "'Oh, I do wish the boys wouldn't go so close to the edge of it,' Mary whispered frantically. "'Dora Bellman, if Dick or Jerry slipped into that awful place—' Dora's interrupting voice was impatient. "'Please, don't start imagining terrible things. Those boys value their own lives as much as we possibly can.' Look! See how very cautiously they are taking hold of the driver's seat and testing its strength. Blue moons! It was Dora's turn to be horrified. Jerry is lifting Dick. My, aren't his arms powerful! Now Dick is resting his left hand on the top of the seat and pulling on that box with his right." Mary clutched Dora's arms. 
but neither spoke a word as they watched the movements of the boys with startled, staring eyes. "'It's coming slowly,' Dora's voice was tense. "'Hark! Didn't you hear a creak as though something about the stage had snapped suddenly?' "'Thanks be!' The words were a shout of relief. "'The box is out! But, oh, Mary, not a second too soon! The skeleton stagecoach is collapsing! It has dropped right down out of sight!' The two girls sat up with one accord and stared at each other, their faces white. Mary was the first to speak. Her tone was reproachful. "'And yet you were so sure the boys would do nothing to endanger their lives. If that crash had happened one minute sooner, they would both have gone down with it. Dick couldn't have leaped back in time, and Jerry would have lost his balance. And you needn't tell me I'm using my imagination, either, for you know it's true.' There was no denying that the boys had had a most narrow escape, and Dora willingly acknowledged that they had taken a greater risk than she had supposed they would. As though finding that lost bottle, or even getting money to help the Dooleys, was worth endangering their lives, Mary continued with such a show of indignation that Dora actually laughed. "'Since it's all over, let's forget it. I'm terribly thrilled about the box.' I feel just as sure as the boys do that there will be something in it that will be a clue, or at least lead to one. Listen, Mary said, the boys are calling to us. See, the rope is swaying. Lying flat again, Dora peered over and called, What do you want? Jerry replied, We're tying the box to the rope. Can you two girls pull it up? Don't stand near the edge to do it. Wait! Dick called. Then he said something to Jerry that the girls couldn't hear. Dora saw the cowboy laugh and pound on his head. "'He's calling himself a dumbbell, looks like,' she whispered to Mary. Then Jerry's voice, "'I'll take back that order. You stand by the rock, will you, and grab the rope if it starts to slip. Dick will climb up and help lift the box. He's such a lightweight, he and the box together won't be any heavier than I am.' The girls went back to the rock and saw that the rope held. They knelt by it in readiness to seize it if it slipped. They could tell by the tightening of the rope that Dick was ascending. In another moment he sprang over the edge, pulled up the box without asking the girls for assistance, then dropped the rope down again. Soon they were joined by a beaming Jerry. End of chapter 12 Recording by Bill Borst